You guys have a site called uh, Native Script Snacks. That's my site. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I seem to be obsessed with food, or at least the Native Script team is, because it's either groceries or snacks. <laughs> This is the Space Dojo Show, a weekly podcast about all things JavaScript. You can find out more information at show.spacedojo.com. Enjoy the show. DigitalOcean is the best place to get your Meteor application off the ground quickly and the easiest to scale when you find success. I host Crater.io there, so I understand DigitalOcean. Start with a pre-configured one-click launch, such as Node.js, to get it up and running in 55 seconds or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% SSD and state-of-the-art data centers around the world. DigitalOcean is the fastest growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers and laser focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. Use the promo code CRATER10 on the billing page when you sign up for $10 to get started. Welcome to the Space Dojo Show. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with a special guest co-host today, Chris Aloy. Welcome, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Our guest of honor today is Jen Looper. She is from uh, Telerik, and we're going to talk a little bit about NativeScript. Welcome, Jen. Thank you very much. I have to do a tiny correction because we just unveiled our rebranding. Oh. So um, I'm actually from Progress. Oh, yeah. Nice. So. nice. Yeah. So I, I live here in Cincinnati and they oh, progress bought modulus. Yes. So, hmm. Similar deal. And they, right after like the next quarter, they, they bought Telerik. So yeah, they went on a little buying binge yeah. and they got us and Rollbase, modulus and some other folks. And I think the, the M&A era is over. <laughs> so now it's the question of like getting everybody on the same page. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. That's exciting. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about native script and what it is? Sure. Let me just uh, introduce myself. My name is Jen and I'm on the developer relations team at Progress. <laughs> My specific role is working with Telerik products by Progress. So I'm on that branch and I report out of the Waltham office, which is the old Telerik office. Telerik has roots in the .NET community, but we've recently gotten very much ingrained in the JavaScript community. So I'm kind of on that side and specifically within that role, I'm working on the mobile side. So I was hired as kind of like mobile person because <laughs> I have a large apps portfolio. I really love mobile apps. I have a weakness on downloading them. <laughs> so I'm evangelizing specifically for Telerik platform, but I tend to talk a lot about our newest product, which is NativeScript. NativeScript is a way that you can write truly native apps using JavaScript, XML, and CSS. Uh, if you want to, you can also bring in Angular 2, which is the unveil that we just did at ng-conf. We released NativeScript 2 along with their unveil of Angular 2. So uh, it's been a very, very exciting couple, few weeks <laughs> at Progress and on the, on the Telerik side. So, and NativeScript is kind of, um, the branding looks a little bit separate. If you visit nativescript.org, you'll see it's, you know, different colors. It's very blue. There's not much mention of Progress or Telerik, but we're all in the same happy family. So that's the story. If you're looking to build mobile apps, it's a really nice solution to help you along. 
You know, it's funny, like I hadn't heard of native script before, but I was talking to uh, Todd Motto, who I, works with you, and mm-hmm. we were talking about doing an Angular, like one versus two comparison, and he's like, you may want to talk about native script. And so I started poking around and looking at it, and it looks pretty cool. I'm putting on a conference uh, in July, mm. which is focused on building mobile apps with JavaScript. And so it really kind of piqued my curiosity, like, what kind of like big success stories have you seen people like they've built and deployed something that's become popular in the store? Have you? Well, if you go to nativescript.org and click on the showcases button, you'll see some apps. Uh, two of those are actually mine, so I can't say that they're blockbusters, but um, there's like these things you just build and release. The thing about our client base tends to be it's sort of the enterprise. So a lot of our stuff is kind of walled behind you know, privately distributed walls. But our big success story, which we talked about at NGConf, is actually we're working with Kiva. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kiva. It's a way to do micro loans to mm-hmm. individuals or groups. Uh, and it's just loans so that they'll pay you back, back eventually, but it's a charitable organization. And um, their new mobile app is going to be built in NativeScript. And our partner, Wrangle, is working with us and working with them to build this app. And they spun up an app within four weeks in NativeScript to get sort of the the flow of the microfinance. You know, you log in, you look at your the money that you have in your basket or add money, and then you designate whoever you're going to loan it to, and then you can watch it kind of filter back. <laughs> I love Kiva because I I started donating to them with just a hundred bucks, and now I have like nine hundred dollars worth of loans that have come back and forth and back and forth. It's amazing. Like you can just watch your your impact grow. It's a really great success story, and it's really pleasant for me to to see an app you know, built in NativeScript, you know, for Kiva. But we're also working with some larger companies. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say names, but um, enterprise type companies. We have a small shop called, the app is called SmarpShare, and I think the shop is called Smarp, and it's a social networking. That's on the showcase, so that's something to look at. But if you want to take a look at how NativeScript feels as an app, um, if you go to the app stores and download, uh, it's called examples native script i think that's what they called it and that is a great app to just download and just feel the lack of lagginess that you're going to feel with a native script app so that's a nice um, a nice thing to play with it shows you the charts and all of the the fun things that you can do with our uh, ui components that's really good like how would i as a javascript developer come in and start using something like native script is it right currently my background any of the development i've done has been primarily with meteor and deployment to mobile has been through cordova and you know that workflow and it works but you know there's always there's it's it's not it doesn't have that native native ui feel that you get right. with ios and android using native components yeah how would i use where, where, where would I start? Where do you start? I actually was involved in writing, writing the Getting Started Guide for um, a NativeScript version for plain JavaScript. So there's two ways of doing NativeScript. One is with plain vanilla JavaScript with CSS and all that. And then there's the Angular 2 flavor, which has a whole different <laughs> integration. Sure. But bottom line, the, the, the hardest thing with NativeScript I've always found is the installation. Once you get past that, you can, you can really go to town. And the trick with it is, is that you need to have Xcode and your Android toolchain set up. Uh, I've actually, to be honest, given up on the Android toolchain, and I just use Jenny Motion at this point on my Mac. I'm so tired of dealing with it. But there are some new one-line scripts that especially Windows users can use that really simplifies the installation process. So that I actually need to spin up my PC and see if I can just like slam in the one line and see if that's going to work. <laughs> um, so once you get past the installation, though, you need to get your workflow set up. And on my Mac, I use Visual Studio Code. Okay. Um, I don't know what IDEs you all are using. Uh, I use Atom. 
Okay. Adam for a while. Yeah, we're actually working on getting snippets for NativeScript on Atom. Uh, we, are, we already have them for uh, Visual Studio Code. So one of our community members has created these awesome snippets. We also, I think they're available for uh, Sublime. And then if you're on PC, the Visual Studio Code folks are well served because we always have good, good relations with the, the Microsoft okay. group. Um, so yeah, get your workflow set up, get your tool chains installed, get the installation done, and then you can just start writing. With a vanilla version of NativeScript, you're going to be write, like hand coding a lot of JavaScript, and you have some flexibility in how you organize your code. So, like I tend to create folders and put all of my code in folder, folders for each page of my mobile app. If you're using Angular, however, your decisions are simplified a little because you can just follow the way the Angular system wants you to do things. So, mm -hmm. if Angular says it do this way, just continue down that line. You don't even have to worry about it. So that's kind of a simplification. But once you get down, you know, all of that, those initial setup tasks completed, you, you can really go to town. And what's interesting to me is that I would have thought that a technology like this would be for more advanced users who kind of maybe have tried the Cordova system, maybe have, you know, even tried a little of native development. But I'm seeing like kids at universities jumping on board and just like going straight to NativeScript. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to see. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just like old and stupid and I can't. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. They're, yeah, they're just jumping on board. They're like, yeah, we're getting like spinning up mobile apps in NativeScript and JavaScript. It's awesome. <laughs> Like I, I look at how my kids are growing up versus like how I grew up, right? Like I had an Atari 800 and then I had a 486 computer and like, you know, I, I didn't have a phone uh, that could do those kinds of things. But like my kid's first introduction to technology is like an iPod or an iPad and then Apple TV and they start to get into a computer, but not nearly as much as like I did when I first got started. So yeah, it's, it's very... Uh, it's very interesting, and it's moving incredibly fast, as you know. Like, I, I have a sophomore and a senior in high school. They are literally two generations. Like, my older daughter uses Facebook. My younger daughter won't touch it. Mm. Um, they both use Snapchat, but, like, my older daughter was a later, like, jumped onto it later. It's very interesting. Like, and you have to kind of understand, like, the nuances of these communities and try to reach out to them in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the kind of like the how to build the app. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like you'd mentioned you can just use CSS. Like what, what is designing an app look like when you're using native script? Mm -hmm. Right now, if you're going in and you're hand coding it on your local using the CLI, um, you're responsible for the look and feel. We do have a library called NativeScript UI, which is helping. That's a paid product. That's one of the ways we're monetizing the product. Um, but sneak peek, we're going to be launching some nice skins and helps to get people to just not worry so much about hand coding all the styles for their app. Because I think that is, that's one of the things that really made Ionic take off because you always could spin up something that looked great no matter what. And that's been um, something that we didn't do initially that we are going to start spinning up because I think people are really requesting it. They really like fuse tools, for example, another nice solution they have um, their, their apps always look beautiful. So I think that that's, you know, your first touch point with an app is to make it look great. So we're working very hard to uh, spin up these great skins and great solutions to make your app look great. But in terms of the actual CSS that you're writing and you're hand coding, we offer a subset of CSS. You can always change the colors and the, um, the fonts. We support Font Awesome. You can use animate. You can use actually keyframe animations now. It's kind of amazing that are translated to native. But some parts of CSS are not supported. For example, I like 
sub-selectors, I think they are. Some of the, like the more esoteric elements of CSS are not yet supported. But if you go to the docs, you can see what's available. For the most part, it'll get you where you need to go. Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at one of the showcase apps and it looks like it's using material UI basically as the kind of the design. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like to me. So I'm assuming that's, that's maybe what it's using. Yeah, somebody uh, released some styles. Actually, someone released a, a redo of the Ionic style so you can make your NativeScript app look like an Ionic app. Um, yeah, we're working on getting the material design sorted out with plugins. Yeah, this is something that, that you know, the, the world is your oyster. It's all wide open, but some people prefer to have a little bit more of a, a lockdown skin. So we're working on those things. Yeah, that's nice. I think that's like, to me, the thing that as like not a designer, like I'm, I'm terrible at it, but like I look at React Native and think, you know, well, I, I could build a mobile app over here, but I feel like it uses a smaller subset of CSS, but I can't really say like, oh, I want to rely on bootstrap or a material design. So mm-hmm. like, I can't really pull those in and, and feel mm-hmm. comfortable building something from the ground up. Like I, I, I need to be much better at CSS. So yeah. And I'm not the best designer either. And it's just like, if you can bring something in that will help you, you know, that would be a big money win. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's, you're writing it in JavaScript, but when it's actually running on the, the device, it's running at, like in the native environment. So you're not, it's not like a view layer, like a web layer that's running on your phone. Is that right? Is that, right. that properly? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of weird to get your head around. It took me like ages, <laughs> but it's a runtime. So it's not like Xamarin, Titanium. Those are cross compilers. So there's some magic going on as you're building. React Native is a wrapper. Cordova runs in a web view. So that's a different yeah. piece entirely. Um, but with us, we're a runtime. So it's basically an, Oh, getting into the weeds of how that all works is a bit of a, a mess, but we have documentation and good articles on how all this works. But basically, you are writing um, in JavaScript, and then the runtime is translating what you want to say, um, draw me a iOS button, draw me an Android button hmm. in the runtime. So it's a different solution that's aiming to solve the same problem everybody else is solving, which is just to get away from that web view. Right, right. Yeah like an example of a button, how would you style that button if you wanted that button to be a color? You're styling that in CSS and that's getting translated to the native? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So uh, there's a couple ways to style it. You can have um, external style sheets that cover your entire app. You can have platform-specific style sheets. You can do inline styling. You could do inline styling that's platform-specific, so it depends on how, how deep into the, into the customization you want to get. Um, but what I like to do is have general styles at the app level. So I have app CSS and then I import platform CSS just for those little tweaks that you need to make. And then within each folder, like for my login page, I'll have login XML. That's the presentation tier. Login JS, that's the code behind file. And then a login CSS, which has those little extra bits that only pertain to the login page. And that's kind of how I structure the code base in a vanilla JavaScript Sorry, NativeScript app. What is that XML, that markup layer? What do you define in that, in, you know, in, in that example, in that login page, in that file, in that folder? What, what are you defining in that XML file? Right, so what you're doing is you're um, drawing out the modules. So NativeScript abstracts away some of the native code that you would op- otherwise be writing in Objective-C or Java. So if you need to write a button, you're just do, like open bracket button, uh, class equals my pretty button, and then put a, a tap function on it, and then the, that tap function is, is handled in the code behind file. 
So oh, okay. yeah, it's just, I think it's a little bit like XAML. I'm not a, uh, a Xamarin developer, but it's basically you just uh, designate the layouts and the, the elements that you want on your page, give it some tap functions or some, uh, some onload functions, and all of that stuff is handled in your code behind. If yeah. you want to look at the sample code, there's plenty. Uh, I could, if, I, if there's a chat, I would like walk you through, but uh, um, I can, I can, oh, there is a chat. Yeah, you can, you can paste a link in the chat or something. Okay, but anyway, we'll 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 just show notes so people can walk walk through. Yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah. yeah, include that link in there, and we can put it in the show notes. Sure. When I was first looking at it, like it's it's all XML, and it's one of those things like you open it and you're like, you see XML. Ew. Oh, really gross. <laughs> I don't want to do XML, but like you look at it and you realize like HTML five is is really just. XML under the yeah. cover. So it's like it, yeah. <laughs> it really isn't that different. Like I, I've looked at React Native code as well and it's like it's it's kind of the same thing, right? Like you're you're building components and it looks a heck of a lot like XML. So are they using like an XML type markup too? I've never never uh it's not XML, but it is like you're basically just building HTML components, but they're like they're different, right? Like they have text components and input components and those kinds of things. So okay, yeah. It's just like at first glance, they they can look pretty pretty similar. Um, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, my my gut reaction to XML is like, ah. Like, yeah. You know, well, it doesn't you, seem that bad. Yeah, and you don't have to do the whole thing in XML. <laughs> like, I have a uh, there's a game that I have in NativeScript called This or That, and that's basically all it is. Is in the XML is just a stack layout open and close. And then I do the entire development of the web view from the code behind file. You just like uh, dynamically lay out the images that you want. So that's another way. If you need to listen for taps on certain images that you're dynamically laying out, you're going to want to do that in the code behind file. So there's different ways to do it. But honestly, once you get used to it, <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the, the data layer, is there... Am I using the, like the native iOS data storage functions or how, how would I, you know, how am I storing data and handling that type of those problems? I guess. Right. So there's many ways to do it depending on which solutions you, you uh, jump onto. I've done, so Telerik has our own uh, EverLive data, data, data service and it's basically sending, it's a REST API service. So you're just sending out queries and you're getting back responses. We also handle offline usage, but a great, plugin that one of our partners developed is for Couchbase. So, and they handle the offline usage beautifully. We, you can also use, I've done the sample groceries app. I flipped it to use Firebase. So that has that beautiful real time. Like you um, have the two apps open, your kid's grocery list and your grocery list, and you can, you know, um, see the, the items coming dynamically down um, without a pull to refresh. So that's beautiful. In terms of storage, we have plugins for, I know we have plugins for local storage and we have plugins for SQLite. So you can have this sort of thing being stored locally. Uh, lots of different ways to handle depending on your use case and how you want to, to manage your app. Are those kind of abstracted away from the writing the, the native iOS format as well? I would define that in something like the XML file or in the, the JS file. Yeah, you would just bring it, uh, bring in the plugin using a require, and then you would use the methods that the plugin has designated that you should use, like you know, store data, uh, render offline, pull it in, bring back online, that sort of thing. I haven't tinkered too much with the Couchbase solution, but I, uh, I'm going to give a talk at DevTeach for Firebase, and I need to, I need to get that working with the Angular integration. So that'll be really fun, I think. <laughs> cool. Yeah, my guess is, like, since it's just JavaScript, you could then just rely on any of those tools for the external dependencies like Firebase. So 
one could bring in like mini Mongo and DDP and like connect to a meteor backend if they wanted to. Yeah. Somebody is working on a native script uh, uh, meteor integration right now. It's going to be real interesting. I need to actually get one of my apps off of parse. Oh. I think I think of it. It makes me kind of sick. Um, and I think I'm going to put it on Azure. And yay, we have a plugin for Azure. So I think that'll be really great because I need to. Host, I need like a CDN type thing. So the nice thing about NativeScript is that it's all open source, and there's a big community. So if you don't want to write a plugin, hop on Slack. I just got somebody to write me a, me a plugin for like, Keep. I'm like, anybody want to write a plugin for me? They're like, yay! <laughs> so nice. Yeah, cool. Interesting. One of the other things that I noticed is that you guys have a site called uh, Native Script Snacks. That's my site, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I saw you tweeting about it. What is that exactly? I seem to be obsessed with food, or at least the NativeScript team is, because it's either groceries or snacks. <laughs> the idea behind NativeScript Snacks was that we, my manager, Burke, started creating little four-minute videos on how to do like a login screen or how to do a local storage or that sort of thing or how, how to handle observables. And he made 10 videos and we realized, you know, we really should spin up a website to, to handle this stuff. So it's been progressively growing. I think I have 30 videos and snippets right now. My goal is to have 70 by the end of the year and it's split into two. So you can either have short videos or even longer videos or code snippets. So what I tried to do is give a little visual of what's, what this what we're building and then have um, xml javascript and css available for people to just grab and paste in uh, i'm trying to divide the snippets and the videos by whether they're for angular or not for angular so that's the other option and i think i'm gonna enhance the snippet so that you can just download the whole thing as a bundle so that'll be um, a nice thing for people to just like slap it into your app and go yeah. everybody likes to just copy paste let's face it <laughs> <laughs> totally totally <laughs> Yeah. I think I, I still have Rails apps that are out there that have Rails cast like copy and pasted snippets. So absolutely, totally. <laughs> That's how you. Yeah, learn. you know it's it's funny. Um, I love the name Native Script Snacks because I, I I picked up a similar name. I picked up Meteor Snacks and was thinking oh. a similar thing, uh, but put it kind of put that on the shelf for now. But yeah, I, I love that idea. So. Oh yeah, I mean the code it's all on my GitHub. So if you want to just grab, <laughs> go ahead. Nice, nice. Awesome. So what's it like being a dev relations person? Like what, what's your day-to-day job look like? It's funny because that's the question I asked when I was being interviewed. I asked my colleague TJ who was doing an interview. I'm like, TJ, what, what, what's your day-to-day? And he's like, oh my God, like what, what is it not, right? <laughs> um, it kind of depends on the time of year. For some reason, see, we do a lot of conferences. So it, it seems like May was an insane time for conferences and now it's slowing down a little bit over the summer and then it'll pick back up in September. So you have your travel schedule kind of like smoothly rolling over the year uh, and you're getting ready to give talks and work booths. But I am working a lot on an evangelizing platform. I'm supposed to be doing that. And I tend to get sucked into NativeScript a lot. So I'm on Slack with the community a lot because I really love to do that. So the great thing about being DevRel is that you can kind of work to your skills. Um, some people are great at writing these blockbuster articles on Telerik Developer Network that get 3 million views. I was able to do that once <laughs> because I, ca- I, called the, I called the article JavaScript Engines for Idiots and people just went ham. So I, if it's a clickbaity article, apparently you get a lot of clicks. Um, but yes, there's a lot of writing, speaking, traveling, uh, schmoozing, uh, dealing with 
people above, uh, dealing with the community, and trying not to do stupid things on Twitter. <laughs> is it, is it, are the targets for, for NativeScript just iOS and Android mainly? Yep, at the moment. We're also, uh, we have a, a proof of concept for Windows Universal. If you're a Windows developer, you might be interested in that sort of thing. We've, we were looking at Windows Phone, and that's a little bit backburnered. Yep. Like, um, but definitely, is, I, I know nothing about Windows or Windows development. I, yeah, I, I get lost there. Is it, is that, is that what you, is Windows Universal like a phone and a tablet thing or whatever they call their tablets? I think it might be like it would play well on the surface, that sort of thing. Surface, that's it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I feel like Google, Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like Windows Universal for those guys who are like that stuff. But enjoy. <laughs> yeah, coming soon. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the Angular 2 integration. Like, what, what's that look like? And Angular 2 is, like, almost ready to release, right? Yeah. They, they, at ng-conf, they announced release candidate. They are working and very hard on getting this to be released completely. And I think they're working on the router at the moment. This is something we're also waiting on because we're heavily dependent on whatever they do and we need to support them. So yeah, we're just trying to you know keep in line with the Google team. We meet with them weekly. As soon as they announced that Angular 2 had decoupled the DOM, then we just jumped on it because we're like, oh my gosh, Angular 2 is no longer a framework. It's a platform at this point. So we can really start building on it. And if you get away from the DOM, you can start building native apps on it and desktop apps. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're just kind of like uh, following as best we can, waiting for that final release and spinning up as many sample apps as we can. We're, we're working on getting the size of the app down and concomitantly the, the, the load time. Right now, there's a, for, there's a sample app that we released at ng-conf really, really fast, uh, a wind chimes app, and it's done in Angular 2. Somebody gave a talk about using Angular 2 on the web to create wind chimes, and we spun it up to a native script app like, with really, really quickly. People have said, it's a really, for a small app, it's a large app size, and it loads slow. So those are the two things we're kind of really working on. We're using Webpack to get the size down. Uh, you don't need to have, you know, the entire gigantic Angular framework, you know, bundled into your app. You can, you know, compress, pick and choose. So those are kind of our goals. And if, you know, your app is so big, it's going to take a while to, to, to load up. So that's something that we definitely are working on. Yeah. Chat yeah, I know, like, Webpack can let you do, like, code splitting and that kind of thing, which would, would certainly help. I actually, I ran across something this week called RollUpJS. Yeah. That looks really interesting too, because uh, it, it talked about tree shaking, which I hadn't <laughs> heard before, but it's the idea like they can figure out pieces of the code that you're actually using, that you're importing and, and relying on and pieces that you aren't. And they'll only include the pieces from the files or the, you know, the, the library you're relying on that you need. And so yeah. therefore like you can really slim down that bundle size as well. So That's definitely something that we should be looking at. I'm looking at it now. It looks great. I'll pass this over to the <laughs> team. They're probably all over it, but you know, just like, just in case. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. we got like Browserify, Rollup.js, Webpack. They're all trying to solve this problem of like mm -hmm. gigantic amounts of code down. I mean, that's the biggest problem I find, especially with like a Meteor app is just the, the size of the initial code that you're sending down is just so large. Like, mm -hmm looking at crater.io, which I run, like you're sending over almost two megs of JavaScript to a device. And when you're on a phone, like that's, that's just kind of a terrible 
terrible experience because not only do you have to like wait for it to download, but then you actually have to wait for the phone to kind of process through it and load it all up. So. Yeah. I mean, I look at it as like, essentially you're charging your customer because you're asking someone on their data plan <laughs> to, you know, download your thing. And I'm like, oh, that's just not nice. So yeah. Any, yeah. There's also this concept of app thinning mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure I understand exactly what that is, but I wonder if that would work. With the so that's a on the on iOS, like where you isn't that where you kind of strip out? Like if you're running an iPhone six, you'll strip out the iPad bits from your app. I think. Yeah, that I makes that's sense. What it is. That's, it, I think that's yeah. what it is. There's another concept too called streaming, which is like sending them just the initial bits to get everything loaded, and then as they need things, like it's uh, being sent down from the app store as well. So. Oh yeah, that's an idea. Right? Isn't that, is that kind of what the Apple TV does? Uh, with a lot of its apps, it seems like because it has a smaller yeah maybe uh, storage. I don't, I don't know. I'm not built one for the Apple TV. Yeah, <laughs> actually, somebody did spin up native script for Apple TV. It seems like way early, and it's like, what? What are you guys doing? <laughs> that's awesome because I think like that's one of the things that almost annoyed me when the Apple TV came out is like it doesn't have any kind of web view, and therefore like it can't be a Cordova target at all. So it's I like, see. You know, you get you got to throw out what you feel is all that knowledge that you had before. And ah, uh, yes. <laughs> now, is Meteor making use of a web view? I haven't done. I haven't touched Meteor for ages. Yeah, so they use Cordova. They have Cordova integration, so you can add a platform like iOS and Android, and then um, you can run the build, and it'll just uh, build it using Cordova. And I think with uh, 1.3, they upgraded to the latest versions of Cordova. So like oh. on iOS 8 and 9, you'll get the WK web view. Which oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's great. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> I, always had, I always had a soft spot for Meteor. I just thought, like, I remember when they first came out, and it was, it's just such a great way to just spin up a quick web app and build. Mm-hmm. It's just really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It's not anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a weird went, time. Yeah, well, they went to a more paid paid solution, I guess. Uh, well, no, they ha- they have their hosting, which oh, is good, hosting. but it's weird because they're they're moving to be more node like, I guess, and mm-hmm. so they're starting to have an actual integration with npm rather than through their package system. You can directly pull npm packages in now, which is oh, wow. it's nice, but at the same time, like. You know, I think there's there's going to be, like, the next version of 1.4 doesn't look like it adds a lot of features. Like, they're just going to be upgrading the latest version of Node, latest version of NPM. It's like, you know, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of pain as they transition to be more like other Node frameworks for a while. Yeah. A lot of the magic kind of went away. A lot of the, the, the interesting magic that made things work. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. St- but it, it makes sense because that's how it needs to scale. You know, you, you don't want all that magic when you're building something big. Yeah. But when you're doing a small, you know, demo or something like that, it's awesome. It's yeah. I remember for hackathons, a lot of people were jumping on it for hackathons. Yeah, yeah. Way back in the day. Is, it, is there a company behind it? Yeah, yeah, Meteor uh, Development Group. But, you know, for them, they're also, I, I think... Maybe it's a realization that that was a small play for them. So they're shifting a lot of their focus into GraphQL and building an implementation of GraphQL that eventually may allow you to do real-time kind of data syncing through GraphQL. So that's their big bet right now. GraphQL, is it targeting sort of um, games at all or like data viz? 
Uh, no, I think it's just, just a data solution. So like whatever, whatever you want to use it for. And they've got like on the client side, basically it's just going to handle kind of like the client server communication piece through the GraphQL like implementation and um, they'll use Redux on the client side to kind of handle all that data store for you. I mean, it looks like Redux, like they're even using the Redux, like if you want to do Angular or something like that, you can still use Redux. So. Yeah, I see there's a, there's a whole thing on Blaze, Angular, React, and Vue, who uses what. There's a whole like discussion. I don't know. There's just so many, so many frameworks that people can... Yeah. Can pick from and Angular two is not the same as Angular one at all, you know. So it's just like there's just a lot to learn. On the other hand, we call that job security. So yay! <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like JavaScript fatigue is a real thing. <laughs> it, it is, it is. On the other hand, first world problems, right? We're so lucky to be employed and having fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, for me, like it's it's great too because. Like I, I was just talking to the creator of UJS and hopefully he'll come on the show soon. So like we've had people talking about React, we have people talking about Vue, Angular. So like for me, it's a great way to like meet people and talk yeah. to them about all this exciting technology. So Well, I think that the the real benefit of all of this stuff is the communities around it. Like I, I used to evangelize for Corona SDK before I was anywhere near Telerik progress. And the community was just a bunch of indie gamers, you know, indie game dev, like just people trying to create, you know, the, a fun, cool thing. And, and I see that with NativeScript. I see this great community uh, being generated. And that's, that's, that's exciting. And it was nice to see the same thing at Angular, uh, at uh, ngconf with the Angular community. There's a great tweet that said, um, Angular is dead, and there's this like monster panorama of NGCon because it's a single track conference, so there's 1500 people, like you know, with their eyes glued onto the keynote. You know, Angular is dead. <laughs> like, nah, the community will always, you know, if the community is awesome, then I think that the, the framework or the platform will be, a, will be a win. Did you have any other questions, Chris? No, no, I, I, that's awesome. It's uh, I, something I want to check out tomorrow, and it, it seems is that the target kind of the larger corporate enterprise type developers? And is that maybe why it hasn't really been on my radar? Cause I'm kind of the opposite of that. I'm just a small guy, you know, doing smaller things. Yeah. I mean, one of the challenges that we've had, of course, is that um, of course we're uh, competing against a Facebook <laughs> for, you know, market share. On the other hand, I think that there are enough people who are looking to solve this problem that I think we're going to be picking up, especially with our integration with Angular 2. I think that's what's really going to make NativeScript start to be on people's radar screens. Yes, we are targeting the enterprise, but we're also targeting those small shops. Um, so anybody who's interested in using this, you know, they can use the open source solution and we'll support you know, from bottom to, to top whoever needs to use to use uh, native script for sure, which is a very vague answer to your question. No, it's good. But <laughs> Fair enough. But, yeah. No, it, that's, that's probably a good response, right? Because I, I remember like Twitter before it was a thing, like was just, there was a Rails shop building Odeo and then they, they built this little Twitter app using Rails. And like nowadays it's not using Rails, but at the same time, like you want people to feel comfortable using that technology and uh, diving in and creating things because you never know what's going to stick to the wall, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like what will, what will really make your, and I saw this with Corona SDK, what will really make your framework or your platform stand out is having that, what we call a unicorn app. Mm -hmm. um, for Corona SDK, it was this kid who was 12 and he built a blockbuster game. This is you know, way early in the, in the, 
it was called Bubble Ball. <laughs> and it, it just like was huge because it was one of the you know, only things out there. And he was, it was a great story. It was a kid building. And that like made Corona SDK. That was like, that was their unicorn. For us, I think our unicorn is finally going to be Kiva. So we're really excited about that. So people will be, able, will be able to use Kiva, download it. It'll have a lot of usage and a lot of eyeballs are going to be seeing, you know, how performant this, this is. So once we get that in the app store, money. <laughs> nice. Awesome. All right. So now we've come to that point of the show where we do our picks. And this, this can be anything that, uh, you know, enhances your life. It doesn't have to be related to tech. Uh, I think Ben, my old co-host, uh, stole this idea from JavaScript Jabber. So, yeah, I don't know. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, productivity tool. I'm using Wonderlist all the time. Do you guys use Wonderlist? I use Todoist. I've been trying to. Like, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. I have to at this point because I have to do reports every month of what I'm, what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second thing that somebody pointed me to at NGConf, actually at the booth, is Moom. It's M-O-O-M, like Zoom, but with M. And it allows you to position your windows on your screen by just mousing over that green button in the browser and it'll like tell you which squares on the quadrant you just want to like automatically size your windows to. I don't know. I just find this incredibly helpful, especially for webinars or anytime I have to share my screen and I don't want to look like a complete fool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, this is, this is cool. Like layout. Yeah. It's, it's 10 bucks, but I think it's worth it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I've got something similar called better snap tool. Um, mm. And it's just got, points like i can drag something up to the top middle of my screen and it'll full screen Ah. um so it's similar but i actually think i like i might like this better yeah it's it's really helpful and then the third completely useless thing um well not useless i actually i'm very diligent is neko atsume have you downloaded this app on the app store (laughs) it's from japan it's a cat collector um You feed them and you give them toys. Oh, and you buy the things from the stores like Nakatsume. I'm completely obsessed with this app. But it's one of those things like my boss was Wait, saying. Is this your app? No, I w- Oh my gosh, I wish it was. I'm actually inspired by it. I might create something similar. Um, but my, my boss was saying, you know, when's the last time you downloaded a mobile app and you really become addicted to it? Nakatsume. <laughs> That's the one. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I think my, my daughter loves apps on her phone. So there you go. Sounds like <laughs> up, her, up her alley. I'll, uh, I'll jump in next. So I just, I just redid my office. Um, it's pretty. Thank you. Like my, my wife and I were finding, like we worked in the same office. Uh, we both work from home and like it was just, it was too hard with me doing video calls and stuff. So uh, she took over another room in the house and like, I got to inherit all this great art right here. And it's like all the spaceships from sci-fi movies and TV shows. So wow. um, I don't, don't underestimate the uh, power of like having nice decorations around you and making, making your room feel great. So. Nice. Cool. I've been, uh, so for the last couple of months, I've been playing with quadcopters or some people call them drones. Yes. Like I've been slowly kind of like really getting into it's a lot of fun and it's amazing what you can get for your money. The one that I would recommend on Amazon is a SEMA X5C, I think, or SEMA X5, S-Y-M-A. It's about 40 bucks. 
it's a, just a ton of fun and it's a great like entry level quadcopter and it's just go to a big field and learn how to, to fly that. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. It's amazing how fast and how, you know, acrobatic these things are. And it's crazy. It's, it's the SEMA X5C Explorers with yes. HD yep. camera. Yeah, you can get the, the camera is, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's a, it's a $50 quadcopter with a camera on it, but the, the camera is fun, but it's not, you know, it's not the, not the greatest camera in the world. It's definitely fun to see a picture of, you know, your roof or something. Um, okay, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, you totally should totally <laughs> like right right That's a good price, right? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it's a good like entry level starter. It's not too hard. It's not too easy. It can go fast. It can do crazy flips and nice. you can hit the trees in your house and it doesn't break. It's awesome. It's fun. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm going to parrot drone. Okay. And, uh, Those are good ones. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I got that so I could start playing with like controlling it via node and that was a lot of fun too. Oh, nice. But yeah, I, I'm down that down that hole for a little while. I'm totally jealous of like, sometimes I watch Casey uh, Neistat on YouTube and like, he's got that phantom, man. That thing is ridiculous. It is. It is. It's, it, I actually had one and I wound up sending it back. Oh, did you? Uh, It's so stressful having that up in the air. It's like $1,500 and like, it, it's awesome, but it's also stressful. And I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't there yet. So I might, might revisit it in a couple months. I was looking into doing some aerial photography as a commercial, Type, uh, business, but I can't without a pilot's license right now. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a really like a real like sit in a plane and be a pilot. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if I'm that into it that I want to learn how to actually be a pilot. So I'm going to wait on that that front. <laughs> Play with the forty dollars toys for a little while. Yeah, yeah, so fun. Yeah, that's been something I've been a distraction for the last six months or three months actually since the snow melted here. Ah, uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that looks great. Yeah, I just bought it. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy it. <laughs> cool. The true power of the recommendation. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, the price is right, right? Yes, yes. definitely. I might have to get it just so my kids can play with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, my, my kids are five, and they they want to, but it's it's hard to, you know, not quite there yet. I think yeah. they'll, they've been watching and kind of learning what I do, and it's so easy to just, you know, fly up to the as high as it goes and then have it disappear so (laughs) (laughs) nice all right well thank you for being on the show jen really thank you it was great fun (laughs) yeah awesome uh and if anyone is interested uh you can go to show.spacedojo.com and find older episodes and uh we've got some awesome ones lined up we're gonna be talking to I don't, I don't have it scheduled yet, but we're going to be talking to Lee uh, Byron from Facebook about GraphQL. We're going to be talking to Evan Yu from Vue. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of great topics lined up. As always, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Meteor Club and support this show and the other podcasts I do. So Fantastic. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Bye, guys. Talk to you guys later. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com. 